I've been having this really cool conversation with my, my little buddy, Lucas. Lucas is over here. Lucas, wave at everybody. There he is. He's, he's sitting back there. Lucas contacted me about four months ago. And he said, Pastor Ty, I want to know the Bible. I want to know the Bible. Where do I start? And so I told him. I said, for the next four months, I want you to just stay in the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And he has been going through the Gospels. And he has been so good about any time he finds something that sounds unusual or strange to ask me the questions. And tonight's message, and this may turn into a series someday, but I just thought I'd just entitled tonight's five-minute message called Letters from Lucas. Okay? Because Lucas has been asking some of the coolest stinking questions. Maybe I'm just grown so used to the Bible. Maybe I've read it so many times. Maybe it's kind of like I just, I just know the answers to most of this, and I just assume everybody does. But for Lucas and his fresh eyes, it's about one of the coolest experiences for me to get his text at 2 o'clock a.m., which has got to change. There can't be midnight texts anymore. Okay, buddy? Let me show you one of his recent, recent texts. He asked this question about this portion of Scripture. It says this. Now Jesus, going up to Jerusalem, took the 12 disciples aside on the road and said to them, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and to the scribes, and they will condemn him to death. Ah, just think about this for a minute. You're walking along with Jesus. There's birds singing. The sun's coming up. There's people you're passing. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. And you're having a great time. And Jesus turns and says, hey, guys, just to let you know, that we're going up to Jerusalem, the Son of Man will be betrayed. Speaking of himself, I'm going to be betrayed. And the chief priests and the scribes, they will condemn him to death. This isn't the first time Jesus brought this up. He brought it up three other times. And each time, they were unaware of what he was talking about. They knew that Jesus said he was going to die, he was going to be killed. But he even went even further. And he went on in verse 19 and he says this. He says, and he will deliver him to the Gentiles to mock and to scourge and to crucify. This means they're going to beat the heck out of me. And then they're going to crucify me on a cross. The details. The details. This was before the crucifixion. This was before anybody knew really what he was talking about. And it was so out of their mind. Because if you are the son of God... Aren't you going to live forever? Ever? Isn't everybody going to see that you came for a good reason? Isn't everybody going to get it? Isn't everybody going to rejoice? Isn't this good news for the world? And Jesus is saying completely off it. They're going to beat me and they're going to crucify me. And then he closes by saying, and the third day, he, speaking of himself, will rise again. And it just dawned on Lucas. Jesus knew the whole time. Uh, think about this. For me, I'm like, of course he knew. He was God. Of course he knew. This is why he came. Of course he knew. He had a mission. But for Lucas, in his text to me, I thought, oh my gosh. I guess some people don't realize that it wasn't a surprise to him. Lucas texted me, and basically his text went like this. Dude, did Jesus know? <laughs> I just sat there holding the phone going, well, of course he Oh my gosh, if you, if you don't think about it, it's kind of like our reality meeting Jesus' reality. I mean, think about it on the level of 
Jesus knew, and he still went through it. But at the same time, it asks us a question. And the question that makes every one of us look at this story a little bit different, and it prepares our heart for why we should go tell on the mountain, how awesome our God is. Is, is, is. Like Lucas, I ask this question. If you knew that something was going to end badly, but God's kingdom was going to come out of it, would you do it? And it's a very important question. Because somewhere, I think sometimes we think the moment that we accept Christ as our Savior, it's just going to be smooth sailing. It's just going to be an easy road. It's going to be great. But Jesus, he came. He walked with us. He talked with us. He told us about the kingdom of God. He told us about his purpose for being there. And he told his disciples, they're going to beat me. They're going to betray me. They're going to crucify me. And then three days later, I'll rise from the dead. And to think for a minute that his joy and his love for people. If you knew right now that this world was going to beat you and crucify you, how would you start treating people? You sorry bunch of rascals. You stinking people are a bunch of idiots. And you never see that in the gospel. Jesus loved and he loved and he loved and he loved and joy was all over him. And, and, and the reason that we have to stop and pause about this, just like Lucas, is we have to stop and realize that if you knew something was going to end badly, do you have the faith to know that even something bad can become something good in the kingdom of God? And would you go through it? That's faith. And it's something that Jesus leads the way in. Not faith in himself, but he leads the way of saying, I'm living for my Father's kingdom, and I want you to start living for my Father's kingdom as well. It is not all about you. And it is not about always that you're profit and your gain and your kingdom coming. It is would you be willing to die for my Father's kingdom and be well with your soul about it to know that greater things are here to come because of his glory and his will and his desire and all things that end up for good, maybe even through a difficult thing you might go through. Sometimes what we do is we focus so much on the sickness and we focus so much on the pain and we focus so much on the hurt that we don't focus on what God is doing in the middle of a trial and tribulation, just like the cross. Yes, you've got people in your life like I've got people in my life, and they rain on you, and they bring hell down on you. But did you ever think for a minute that what you are going through is actually the witness testifying to them of the goodness of God that could change their life? You've got brothers, I've got brothers. You've got sisters, I don't. But in all of it, in all of their arrogance, do you still believe that they can say what they want to say, do what they want to do, confess what they want to confess, but in the end, it is your consistency in being a child of God in the middle of the worst they can bring in on you that will be the greatest witness that they will ever see, greater than any preaching they ever heard, greater than any televangelist that comes on their TV. It is your consistency that will change their life someday. Yes, the cross was 
something that Jesus knew about. But it was something that Jesus knew would end up ultimately being good. Lucas also brought up a second thing. He said, dude, what about Judas? I mean, seriously, Jesus knew Judas was going to betray him? And that's a great question for every one of us. And it's fresh eyes. Because if you knew the betrayer was in your home, if you knew the betrayer was in your work, if you knew the betrayer was in your school, if you knew the betrayer was maybe in this church, would it change you from loving the betrayer? And it didn't Jesus. Judas would betray the Son of God. And Jesus gave him as much attention as he did the rest. He gave him the same amount of love. And it causes every one of us to ask our motives. Do people always have to be nice to us to get our best? Do people always have to be good to us for us to be good to them? Do people always have to be true to us for us to be true to them? There are people who will use you, abuse you, and hurt you. But the kingdom of God says you be who God's called you to be. For everybody in this room that has ever been abused, can I just tell you, you should not be. You should not be physically hurt. You should not be emotionally hurt. You should not be spiritually hurt. You should be protected. But sometimes life doesn't work that way. And one of the greatest things I can turn to you and say is you, if you need help, you come to us. But sometimes, sometimes you know as well as I do that the people you love hurt you the most. And can I turn to you and say that when people hurt you and you're not being removed from a situation, and you should be. We want to remove you from it. But I can tell you that people who have hurt me so much are the people that God said, I don't need you to leave just yet. You are the only person in their life who is telling them about me. And there has been other times that God says enough is enough and removes me. And I don't know where the balance is. If you're in the room and you say, Ty, are you telling us you should be in an abusive relationship? Absolutely not. But have I ever been in an abusive relationship? Absolutely. And I still gave God my best. In fact, Scripture says this, for every believing wife who has an unbelieving husband, before you leave him, You must know that you may be the only person that could actually win him to the kingdom. And your truthfulness in God by honoring him when he's not honorable could be the only gospel he ever hears. And this is why this story is so important, why letters to Lucas is so stinking cool. Because it reminds us that even Jesus knew that Judas was going to betray him. Let me show you something real quick about the story of Judas. One thing is, is I, I, oh, Judas was prophesied about, okay? But one of the things we see about Judas is this. The man was not picked, but the role was. Which means they didn't know it was going to be a guy named Judas. They, being the enemy, put together the wardrobe just right. So that whoever would like to fit into that role could slide right into the role of the betrayer. And the dangerous thing is, you know what pulled Judas away from Jesus? He was taught by him. He ran the finances. He did all of these things. He was with Jesus. He was picked by Jesus. He followed Jesus. But it was greed, 30 pieces of silver, that caused him to slip into the role that hundreds of years before was prophesied would happen. It could happen to any one of us. We could choose something else other than Jesus. Let me read you a scripture. 
1 Corinthians chapter 13. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child, but when I became a child, I put away childish things. For now we see as a mirror dimly, but when we face to face, we know in part, but then we shall know just as I am. And let me show you an illustration real quick. Up on the screen, you're about to see what it looks like when I don't have my glasses on. Okay? One, two, three, go. There you go. We did this the other day. Brady Bean jumped on a camera, and I would take my glasses, and I'd pull them off and put them back on. Pull them off, put them back on. Pull them off, put them back on. And this is what it looks like. For a lot of you in the room, you're like, that's exactly, that's exactly what it looks like when I take my glasses off. This is what the story of Jesus looks like until you have the aha moment of knowing exactly what he did in his life, his ministry, his crucifixion, and his resurrection. And as clear as, oh my gosh, that's why we stop every year and talk about this. That's why this is so important for you to know. It's just as easy as, can we go back to the other one? As, there you go, awesome, perfect, buddy. As one day we just thought we knew the story, but the next day it makes perfect sense. One last thing before we go. All throughout this story, Jesus never spoke about his crucifixion without talking about his resurrection. This is so key. And it's Lucas. It was something I didn't text you the other day. The more and more I got to thinking about it, I went back and I looked at every time Jesus talked about the cross he was going to be wearing, the beating he was going to be taking, and betrayal that he was going to experience and there was never a time that Jesus talked about these things that he didn't talk about the most exciting thing that he was excited about they're going to kill me but I'm going to live with them and I can tell you this and this is why it's so important Lucas is why I want to bring it up I don't care what you're going through. There's life at the end of your burial right now. There's joy that's going to come in the morning. There's a victory right in the middle when you feel like you're being defeated. There's light at the end of the tunnel. There's resurrection Sunday. They bury you one day, but God gets the last word. If it's not finished, God's not done. And you need to know that in your heart. For some of you, you feel betrayed. For some of you, you feel hurt. But can I turn to you and say, one day it will make perfect sense. And things that are blurry today will be crystal clear later. Don't give up on God in the middle of your story. Don't give God up on God in the middle of your testimony. Don't right now give up and say, well, if it's going to be hard, I quit. No, 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 no. Jesus walked through the betrayal. Jesus received the beating. Jesus wore the cross for the reason why is because he could see the resurrection. And it was the resurrection that changed everything. And it's your redeeming moment, too, that's going to change everything. And you will turn around one day and go, it was worth it. And this was my 15-minute message on my letters to Lucas. 
And I can see this becoming a series someday, buddy. Keep asking the questions. Keep asking the questions. But I hope somebody that needed to hear it needed to hear.